Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Bannering the Blue Shirts. Uh, my name is Tom Ertz Jr. As always, I'm joined by Mike Murphy. Uh, how's it going, Mike? Going good. Uh, the Rangers bought out Henrik Lundqvist, but we're not even going to talk about that this show. Yeah, instead we're going to talk the NHL draft and the new uh, baby Rangers that they picked, and, and we are joined by Adam Herman. How's it going, Adam? Uh, I'm doing well, guys. Uh, obviously a bit... Uh, a bit tired after, uh, you know, the draft, which is, you know, not unusual, but uh, day, two, day two took longer than, I think, Holy Gone with the Wind hell. played three times over. So uh, That second uh, round dragged on. Like, I, w- I kept looking at the clock. I was like, you got to be fucking shitting me. Like, uh, I was, you know, uh, I was, <laughs> was talking to, to a scout um, today, actually. Um, and I, I just kind of, I, obviously a joke, but I was, I was saying to him, like, I was surprised his team um, made a trade later in the draft to acquire um, a certain pick. Um, and it, it wasn't that late, but it was, you know, pretty deep into the draft. I was just like, kind of like saying like, wow, you guys want to do one more pick, you know, just because like, I'm exhausted just looking at this. Like, I can't even imagine him being like, Ooh, all right, let's, let's get in here again and think hard. But um, no, it, you know, it's... Uh, Weird times right now. It is what it is. It is what it is. Understand that you know the electronic situation. They've never done this before. I don't think they kind of anticipated it, but uh, we dealt. I was very know, fond st- of still fun. Of, very fond of judging each team's little draft room setup to see. Like I think it was like the Blackhawks made like a prop and everything. Like yeah, there's some teams who are just like let's all put on some fucking track suits and everyone have a name tag on. And we have like a bunch of tin bits in the middle of the table, and then there are some teams where they had, you know, like their props department put something together. I was like, wow, this is just a whole thing, and no one knows what the hell they're doing. Great. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because if you you watch the real draft, not not that that wasn't a real draft, but you know what I mean. Like when it's in person, yeah. you know, and there's like 30, 31 teams now, I guess, thirty one teams at tables and on like a, a floor and. It's, it's all like extremely formal like everyone's in suits and ties and they're all just kind of you know in those chairs like kind of acting like they're negotiating a peace treaty or something um it's like a war uh, room, so, yeah. yeah so like it was kind of you know it was a bit looser like you know the, the rangers are putting out a few videos with you know jd pumping his fist after the the trade for Braden schneider and you know that's not happening if you know 30 other teams are on the floor you know three feet from him you know, so it was just, you know it was just a little bit interesting to kind of see teams loosen up a bit, do some a bit more creative things, and you know treat it a bit more like they were having a slumber party in you know someone someone's basement. <laughs> yeah, it was certainly interesting to see the draft kick off with the Rangers pretty much taking the entire five minutes, and you just see these shots of like everyone in the room with like shit eating grins, like yeah we know what we're gonna do but we're just gonna like milk this up and 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 soak it in all of our glory um so yeah so i obviously rangers select alexi lafreniere number one overall um pretty much a slam duck move like you don't really need to ask you so adam what do you think for the number one overall pick um so just like before we get into specifics you know what are your overall thoughts of how the draft went uh for the rangers yeah, so, I mean, like you said, look, like, first of all, they got the franchise guy, right? Um, so, 
you know, it's, it's funny, like, I was, you know, saw people kind of, like, talk about draft ratings for, like, each team, and not that there can't, you can't rate the Rangers draft, but, you know, it's kind of, they took the top guy, you know, and he's going to be a superstar if everything goes as planned, and, you know, they could have, they could have drafted, you know, a bunch of, uh, you know, plumbers or something, <laughs> like, uh, you know, a bunch of marketing students at uh, Drexel University, I don't know, but it, it wouldn't have mattered, right? Like, they get the one superstar who's going to change the franchise for, you hope, 10, 15, 20 years or something. Um, uh, you know, uh, so talking beyond that, right? So that's a given, right? So if you want to evaluate the rest of the picks, um, you know, it was up and down. Um, you know, and here's here's the thing, right, is like, in most situations, you're not going to agree with every pick, right? Even if you're like, all right, that guy was, you know, he's a good player or something, but you, you, everyone, you know, talk to 50 scouts are going to get probably 45 to, uh, different opinions on who the best player is at any given spot, right? Um, you know, so that being said, I, I think they did fine. Um, I don't think they came away, um, you know, stealing a bunch of players below market value although they did in a few cases and we'll get into that but um i I think they kind of just held course if that makes sense they kind of uh treaded water um to you know uh get some pieces that are um gonna add value to the system so they had another first rounder we all thought uh was gonna be at 22 and i know that you had listed some options of who they could take there and how depending on how everything fell they could potentially move up, move down. So they they kind of surprise us, and they move mm. up to 19, and they take Braden Schneider. And you know, depending on who you follow on Twitter, there you know there's talk that that's who the Devils were going to take. The Devils you know sort of denied yeah. that. Um, you have some glowing evaluations. You have some and eh, not really great value there. So. Like, do you think that there was something behind the addition of Schneider in that spot and it has any long-term implications given right side is, is an area of relative strength for the Rangers? Um, I mean, yes and no, right? Like, to some degree, um, you have to think about it, right? You're drafting a kid, Braden Schneider, who... Um, you know, we could debate the merits of the pick itself, but, you know, whatever you think of that choice not many people argue the fact that he's pretty close to um, pro-ready. I'm not going to say NHL-ready necessarily, um, but in in the most literal sense, he only needs one more year in junior hockey. Because of his age, um, he can turn pro um, after, I guess you could call it, next season now. So one more season, he could turn pro. So in that, that's the technical sense. And also, just he's he's very physically mature. His game is pretty pretty mature he needs to work on um you know skating a bit and and some decisions with the puck but i mean this is a guy who thinks the game at a pretty advanced level he um when he was a 16 year old he was playing he was he was invited to canada's um u18 world championship team to and he was getting real you know legitimate minutes he was one of the you know i think it was him and lafreniere i would need to double check on that but um maybe not lafreniere but anyway my point being um you know he's he's a physically mature player he's close to ready so you know the rangers aren't drafting him to make his debut in five years you got to think all right if this guy's going to be playing nhl games in in you know let's say two years two and a half years as that's you know if everything goes well where is he going to be where where are other people going to be and you know uh, nils lundquist is 
uh, one of the top five defense prospects in the world. World, he's also you know a right defenseman. So it, it would be reckless to not consider those things, right? Especially when you're going out of your way to make a trade for that player. It's not just that you were like, oh, you know, this is the best guy on the board. You know, position is what it is. He's our best guy. They they actively decided to make a move to do it. So um, they, they, I'm sure they did consider it. Your dog doesn't like the pick. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, I was surprised. Like, it was a lot to pay to move up just a little bit, and I'm, mm. I'm not sure. Like, I, you know, I, I looked at the value of, of picks, and, you know, like, it, it wasn't like, oh, my gosh, you know, like, Calgary won it, like, run no. away or anything. But it was interesting that Calgary then turned that into even more of a profit. Like, I thought Calgary mm. handled that really well. What stood out to me about that was, like, is this, like, I understand, like, I was one of the people, I was like, just give me, uh, you know, I want Hendricks. I know the injuries and all that, mm. but it just, I want the most talented yeah. guy who's available. And then to see them do this, I was a little mystified that, like, okay, yeah. this, the move, they must be really high on this guy. And I wonder if they like him because, I, you know, I've read your analysis and analysis elsewhere that this is a, a guy who's going to be a shutdown, very stalwart defensive defender. And I feel like maybe the feeling is they don't have that in the system, but yeah. it's interesting that we've heard, like, you know, Gordon say they wouldn't move Trooper to the right side, but hell, maybe D'Angelo and even said, like, maybe Nils Lundqvist on, the, on mm. moving him to the left side, or, and they yeah. pointed out that uh, D'Angelo played uh, in junior, he played some on the left side too. But yeah, it is weird. I mean, you have to think of all like all these guys on the right side are under thirty by a lot. You know, Truba's, you know, the elder statesman. He's yeah, not exactly old. You know, no, uh, he he's not exactly at least in the traditional sense of how we think about it, right? Um, I hope not, because I'm older than he is. So right, I, th- I hope I am, uh, but. Um, you know what? All you you know you raise the point about kind of like oh like everyone kind of thought the Raiders had needs elsewhere and um, you know I, I I think kind of a problem especially this year when there was just such a huge gap between like when the season ended and when the draft happened right so like there was just and like you know kind of everyone's just stuck at home and you know everyone's just you know kind of looking for distractions and you know just did so much reading about players and such uh you know my, my point being is like i this happens every year but i think especially this year is kind of people just like get their sights set on one or two guys and they just kind of get in the mentality of that like all right well if this isn't the name i hear like they blew it which you know it, it's not necessarily it's it's not how it works um you know there are certain times where the team's on the clock and you're like all right there's just one guy who's so much better than everyone else right and all right that's that's one thing but there's always layers to it there's you know and so just because I, I think people just kind of set themselves up to get angry because they just got used to hearing one or two names and, and uh, decided that's what they wanted and it didn't happen so um that's not to say that you know schneider was the right pick but i i, I don't think it's as binary yeah so you bring up a good point about people hear names and if they don't get that name it's you just have this inherent oh it's a bad pick so that leads me to think and it it moves on to who the rangers next pick was and Mm. 
going into this, the Rangers did not have a second rounder. That second rounder had gone to Carolina in the Adam Fox deal. Um, so they trade Leah Sanderson to the Los yeah. Angeles Kings, and it, it just seemed like a weird move of, of okay, now we're getting a pick, and now they're they're adding someone. So, like, w- w- give me some extended thoughts you had on just maybe the process of them moving up to that spot and then drafting someone like Will Cooley and if it's something maybe he had been on their board or it was an opportunity that popped up because it just seemed to be a um, just sudden thing for them. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know the exact details of it or anything, but I mean, (laughs) the Rangers kind of made a last stab at it in um i would need to look at the exact dates but i think it was around maybe june or so that the rangers or may that they kind of like made one last chance at convincing Leas to um you know give it another chance um and he just just didn't want just didn't want any part of it he everyone kind of just at that point knew that Leas' his rangers career was over and um so was I surprised to see him trade in the general sense? No, um, I, and I, I don't think it was just the Rangers were like, all right, like our guys on the board, what if we trade Lewis for him? Um, you know, I think it was kind of, they they were trying to do it for a bit now, um, you know, and I think if LA said, said no to that trade, I think they would have tried to do something else later, maybe even, you know, in a third round if they absolutely had to, I don't know. Um, so, uh, you know, you're, no one's ever going to feel good about that kind of trade, right? Because you draft a guy seventh overall, um, you turn it into the 60th overall pick. You know, no one, there's no way to just, it, it's a sunken cost, right? Um, that being said, given the circumstances, you know, given how everyone knew the Rangers needed to move him, how he didn't want to play there, given his struggles to make the NHL, uh, you know, I, I, I think they did okay on, on value there. No qualms at all um, with getting 60th overall for him in that situation. Um, now, you know, they picked uh, Will Cooley with that pick, left winger. Um, yeah, uh, ooh, relax. Yeah, I know, Ringo, relax. Sorry, my dog. <laughs> um, you know, once they picked him, yeah, it was not so hot on that pick. So outside of that, because, like, I don't want to go, like, pick by pick, so sort of have just some general questions. So if you look at where the Rangers picked and people that either fell or went directly after, is there specific talent that you felt was left on the board that they should have taken, or is it sort of this thing that you look at, at the sum of their entire haul and it's, you know, Marginally, had they picked player X over player Y? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I have to go back and look. I don't think there was just kind. Of, I don't think there was like one name where I was like, "That's the guy here." You know, um, it was more just kind of pre-draft. You know, the the day before, I was talking to someone. Um, I wouldn't say quite scouts in that region, but someone who's familiar um, with. On Ontario hockey, and I and I said to that person, um, this was the, the day before. I said, "All right, like we'll see tomorrow which person, um, you know, kind of takes the bait on on Will Cooley in the second round." Um, and so uh, it, this wasn't a rea- uh, reaction, you know, a sudden reaction, so much as uh, you know, uh, 
to an extent I had anticipated it a little bit. Not that the Rangers were taking him, but that someone was going to take him in the second round and it was a potential trap pick. Um, you know, and look, uh, I think he's a prospect for sure. I think he has an NHL future. I, well, I should say, I think it's likely he's going to at least get games in the NHL. Um, will he stick? That's that's um, another, another story. Um, but I, I think not much doubt good chance he's going to at least get get a look or two in the nhl because he's you know he's got size he has a great work ethic he's going to listen to the coaches he's going to he's going to put in the effort to become um a player and i think yeah yeah i mean well i'm not even just saying that like oh like coaches are dumb and you know value dumb things i'm just saying like look like there's something to be said about giving you know giving chances to guys who prove that they you know put in the effort right and I don't mean effort like, oh, he's gritty on the ice. I mean, like, you know, in the video room, like, and on the practice rink, and, yeah. they, you know, they, they show a desire to be become better players and a willingness to show, like, okay, like, yeah, like, I had a bad game yesterday, but, you know, what can I learn from it and what advice can I take on it and yeah, how can I improve? The, yeah, because, you know, like, look, there's... Yeah, because there's there's some players that there's talent and, you know, they, they won't do that and they, they won't stick in the NHL because there's just coaches aren't going to have time for that. So I think he's going to, um, you know, get benefit of the doubt. And I don't say that in a negative way. I think he's, you know, I think to some extent he's absolutely earned that. Um, you know, with my question with him is just kind of like, one, is he going to make it? But two, if he does make it, how much upside is there? I just think that, you know, late in the second round, especially in this kind of draft where it's a loaded uh, pool of talent, I just think they kind of left upside um, on the board. Yeah, I feel that one was interesting to me, um, you know, for a, you know, a litany of reasons. But that one I was like, you know, I know people are immediately like, this is a Ryan Graff thing all over again. I was looking at some of the numbers today on a pick 224 mm. someone who's become a friend of mine Dave McPherson uh, operates that site if you, anyone is interested in prospect stats and you can also have uh, heat maps there for you know where guys score their goals where they generate shots and Cooley is a guy especially at even strength his, his goals are just in the crease essentially and yeah and, and in yeah in a vacuum sorry I didn't mean to cut you off there but in, no, no, in, in a vacuum in a vacuum like you know that's a useful skill right we're not saying like it is useful. that's not well, of course it's chris useful yeah. yeah exactly exactly right like chris Kreider, chris Kreider he's, he's arguably going at the it. best best um, front yeah. presence winger in the league in yeah. terms of um you know Buxy tips and yeah. his ability to screen yeah. goalies like yeah that's or a great spell, uh you know adam graves basically scored you know over 50 goals in 94 doing that right um the problem is um he you know, like you said, you were what you were getting at was that he's scoring so much on the power play, um, and look, is he gonna? He's not gonna be the trigger man. He might be, you know, a go-to shooter on the power play in you know the OHL right now. Is he gonna be a guy who, um, you know, and we're talking, you know, maybe five years down the line or whatever. So who knows what the exact roster looks like? But theoretically speaking, right? Yeah. Like, is he gonna be someone who's taking? away touches of the puck or shooting opportunities from Vitaly Kravtsov? Is he taking that away from Kako Kako? Is he taking that away from Alexis Lafreniere, you know, Panarin? Um, I don't think so. Um, I don't think he's going to be that guy, at least on a, on a good team. Um, so then it's like, okay, well, if he's not going to get that opportunity, where is he going to get his touches? Where is he going to get his goals? Um, and I just, I don't know 
if those opportunities are going to be there for him. And I don't know if his his ability on the puck or even off the puck when he's not physically in a, a place to have it on a stick and shoot it, I don't know if he can create those opportunities for himself. So one question that I have, and um, it's a question a couple of people had. I had put out a tweet asking mm. for questions. Um, so they obviously take Schneider at 19. And, you know, do you... There was a couple people who had fell. There were still some good centers on the board at that spot, some who went even later. Do you think there was a reason why it seemed that they didn't look to take a center at the end of round one, you know, beginning of round two? Because, like, everything you, you look at the organization, like, obviously you have Zibanejad, you have Heedle, mm. you have Strom, who I don't know how much longer he's going to be around. Yeah. And then you look at the rest of the it, like, yeah, you have Carl Henriksen, you have Morgan Barron, but you really are lacking there. Is it yeah. something that, because like I know, you know, obviously you had the story uh, on Eichel and stuff. Is it something in your mind that maybe the Rangers think this is something we'd rather address via trade, via free agency, be based on all of the other you know pieces they have? Um, I don't. I don't think so. And and here's. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I say that. But you know, so let's let's speak to you know if it's even if it's Eichel or you know even if it's not him. Let's say you know just a center for for a trade, right? If you're if you're trading for a center, you want the best pieces possible in your arsenal to acquire him, right? You want trade pieces that other teams want. Um, now, what the other team wants is good players, right? The other team doesn't necessarily need centers. You know, maybe that team desperately needs a right defenseman, and maybe Braden Schneider is a perfect trade piece to acquire a top, you know, a, a second line or a first line center in three years. Maybe that's the route it goes, right? Um, you know, it. All things being equal, yeah, I think the Rangers would have liked to add a center that that was on their board if possible. You know, not just a center for the sake of center. We could, you know, we can debate Hendrik Swapier, we could debate Connor Zary. Um, but I think if there was an opportunity there, you know, um, I think there were a few centers that they kind of looked at and said, Ooh, like that would be nice at 22. Um, but you know, John Davidson, you know, president John Davidson, he's, he's been through this in St. Louis. He's been through this in Columbus where he had no choice, but to take it slow because they weren't kind they weren't going to just sign an Artemi Panarin, um, in free agency. Cause you know, just because they're the blues or the blue jackets, that's not going to happen. Right. Like you're not going to automatically enter the Jack Eichel sweepstakes. Um, so they had to build slowly. Um, and I think he understands that here. And you're not going to solve every problem at once. Um, I, I think trying to do that is how you make mistakes and how you end up solving none of your problems. Um, you know, Alexis Lafreniere, he's 18 years old. Um, you know, let's say in, in a decade, which is, you know, feels like forever from now, but he'll still be just 28. He'll still have plenty of career ahead of him. So you gotta be thinking long-term, you have plenty of years to add a center. Um, you have plenty of years to address other, you know, needs. It doesn't all have to happen at once. They added some centers in the middle rounds. They have a first round pick next year. You know, they'll have a first round pick in 2022. So there'll be trade opportunities, free agent opportunities. Um, you know, John Davidson's not trying to fix every problem um, this summer or it's not summer anymore, but this off season, um, he's trying to build something for the long haul. Um, and so, you know, they'll get their center one way or the other. Um, you know, I imagine maybe it's tomorrow, you know, for all we know, or maybe it's in two years and that's the piece that pushes them over the top. We'll see. So you mentioned JD and taking it slow. Um, do you think 
because like one of Larry Brooks brought it up like you mm. know the amount of North Americans that they they took this year and how in years past you'd had sort of more of a, a divide, diverse look of it um, people have brought up like the whole pandemic and, and hockey shutting down and, and yeah. you know being able to travel do you think that really had anything to do on the draft do you think it was just um, a really good year for North American players or it's it's just something that you, you look at and like you know there's really no rhyme or reason for it yeah I mean well I mean to begin with I think this was just going to be a North American a very North American draft to start with just that's how kind of the way the cookie crumbles sometimes um, that being said, you know, it's funny because I, I kind of asked this, a scout this question. Um, let's see, what's it's October 8th now. I want to say maybe three weeks ago or so. I don't know. I asked, but, you know, well before they, anyone got to the draft table. But I, I, I kind of asked him, I said, like, um, you know, are, are teams changing their lists right now because games are going on in Europe, right? Um, or even, you know, for players who aren't physically playing games right now, you know, like, you still have insight into okay well this guy who you know had an entire off season to build muscle maybe you get a report you know from his junior team like hey like this dude just added 20 pounds of muscle or whatever um i but anyway point being i asked him like is that going to change draft boards and he said like not really maybe in extreme cases like maybe a guy who you know was injured most of last season and now you're going to see him in games like hendrix Pierre. Uh, was one he mentioned but he said for the most part like your draft boards are a draft board and these shouldn't change uh because of a few games now um <laughs> that, that being said there were clearly some picks of the draft that were influenced by players who um had a chance to start the, the new seasons and and uh show a different performance and um you know i think columbus picked uh chenikov in the first round when a lot of people you know didn't even have him yeah. first three rounds first four rounds first five rounds and uh, Yarmo Kekalainen, their GM, I think, mentioned in his press conference that, like, yeah, like his, his uh, scouts were looking at what he was doing um, in, I think, it's 10 KHL games he had played at that point um, this season. And I think that influenced that pick. So, um, you know, it's different for every team, of course. Um, I, you know, uh, I think it made a difference, sure. Absolutely. Adam, why do the Rangers want all the tall guys? <laughs> you say that, but they drafted um, Brett Berard in the fifth round, and I'm not sure there was a more obvious like this guy's great, but he's short pick. Yeah, you know type. Guy, but Brett Berard the in the fifth round. No, no, no. But I, I know what you're saying. Um, I, I just you know people. I know you're being purposely. Uh, you're exaggerating on so purpose, but yes. but people you know people hear things and they oh like you know like. So I just, you know, I feel the need to point out, like, hey, like, they did take a short king, if you want to call him that. Um, but, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know, I can't say why they did every individual thing, but, you know, like, every team has different philosophies. You know, at Rangers, it kind of seems like they think, like, for, oh, okay, like, this guy's big, and we, you know, if we just teach him, he can become something. Um like, I still am, a, you know, I still cheer and root for Tim Gettinger. Like, there's, like, I don't think so, all the big guys are just, you know. No, of course not. And, I mean, Morgan Morgan Barron, Morgan Barron was a brilliant pick. Yeah. Um, you but, know. like, you know, 
It's you can't help but notice. The, it's if if the first thing you know, guy and then yeah. another six foot eight guy. You know, obviously a goalie in, in uh, Hugo Olas, but like. Yeah, uh, bit different situation, but nonetheless, yeah. Um, yeah. Also, goalies who are six foot eight are not going to play beyond twenty four years old because their groins and knees are going to explode and turn. Yeah, the position is also just changing, right? Like it's when it was like two thousand, everyone just kind of loved like a big goalie who drops in the butterfly oh and like, all right, like now he's on his knees, but his shoulders are How still at the goalpost. Goalie and, be? Bigger? Yeah, and it's bigger. it's it's just changed because the game's changed. Um, so. That doesn't mean he can't be a good goalie or anything. I'm not saying that. It's just kind of like that's lost its luster, the big goalie thing, compared to 20 years ago. Um, so, yeah, it's. I just think, you know, sometimes scouts are like, all right, like, we're in the late rounds. Like, all the good players are gone. Here's a big guy with some, you know, tangible, um, you know, weapons in his arsenal, so to speak. Um, you know, and, you know, maybe if, you know, he just is a late bloomer, or maybe, you know, he, um, you know, our development guys can teach him how to stick handle, whatever it is, like suddenly you've got something. And it, it's not that it doesn't ever work. Um, no. You know, like, of course it and does. I know a lot of people will say, like, look at Zdeno Char in the first couple of years of his career. Yeah. Like, he was just, you know, I know that's the classic example people point to, but I also <laughs> point to like look at a baby giraffe when it's born and how long it takes to get its shit together. And like, yeah, um, but it is—it's really interesting to me because I often wonder on that list of you know the bullet point list they have under each prospect, um, and wondering how high this kid is fucking huge is um, over other assets and other traits like. Uh, how much the organization seems to value size would be something I would be fascinated by, but it's it's obviously not a thing to get hung up on because, like you said, we got a short thing in there. Yeah, and there's enough evidence that they're not just drafting. Like this isn't just goddamn Dylan McElrath situation, right? It's, it's no, 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 no. And you know that, what? I, what I will say is that I think people like. And someone someone mentioned this maybe yesterday, but it was like, oh, like you know, like you guys are against size, like it's that's not what the concern is, like or anything. But the concern is is that you look at a guy who's big and there's not much else there that pops out. And you're, what the concern is is that they picked him because of size, right? Yeah. It's not that the size itself is bad. It's that you're saying, all right, like did they just confuse themselves into thinking this guy is a you know a player because he's tall and that kind of just masked other deficiencies um that's kind of where where it's at with that it's just all right like were they missing something um in some cases like absolutely that happens and in other cases you know again morgan baron it's not just oh this guy's big this pick sucks but i remember looking at it i'm saying all right this guy's numbers are good but not great and high school hockey in canada and he's big and I, my first impression was all right did they just pick this guy because he's big but then you know i watched him play and uh, okay like i get it now i see some translatable skills yeah. that you know he's still a long shot but um and of course you know he's still yet to make the nhl we'll see but um you saw translatable skills and i was like okay i'm you know i get it now and that's that's kind of how it works for me so i want to ask you like just as a you know general and it it 
you don't have to go like too in, in depth on it um, because obviously everyone can read the great work that you you know put up on banter. Um, did you have out, like outside of obviously Lafreniere? Um, did you have a favorite pick of the draft for the Rangers? And then after that, did you have a least favorite pick? Um, yeah, I mean, if we're talking relative to like the value of the player relative to the draft slot, um, I, I think, you know, I mentioned Brett Burrard. I think that was a brilliant pick. I think, I'm not saying I would have taken him in the second round, maybe, but what I'm saying is that if someone did take him there, I'd say, like, okay, that's fine. Like, that, you know, that's defendable at worst you know um so i think you know they got a potential top 60 at, you know at worst i thought third round for sure for this guy um because he's just a you know i'm planning to um i just want to get more video so it can be a you know a better article but i'm planning to publish something i hope next week to kind of a scouting report on his game but he's just there are multiple facets to him in terms of offensive abilities like um, he's not a one-trick pony um and but he's also just kind of like he's on it like he he's an active player he's an engaging player like despite his size he's not he's not a perimeter guy like he he drives the net he scores a bunch of goals in the, in the paint um you know someone and i i'm very reluctant to say this because then the hype machine starts but someone compared his style not his potential but his style to brad marchant because he's like you know a short guy but like he's oh got boy. talent he's got talent and I'm, I'm, i don't know about like the antics or anything but you know like <laughs> despite just dis- like the point being like despite like he plays bigger than his size you know like he he's not he's he's willing to get into battles he'll win some of those battles and, and that kind of thing um similar similar situation for tyronning um so that I thought was just a great pick, and you know, it's not that I'm saying this guy's going to be an NHLer, but once you're in round five like that, like this isn't 1992 anymore, where like there's just like some Russian in a small rink and you know, uh, some guy in a small rink in Russia that like 28 teams passed on because they just had never heard of him, like like Pavel Datsuk that happened with, right? Like that doesn't happen anymore. Like every team, there's video scouting, if nothing else, like every team knows all the players. So when there's a guy in round five and you're saying, you got to say to yourself, why will this guy be an NHLer despite the fact that 31 teams, including us, pass on him a bunch of times already, you know, uh, 120 plus times already. And with him, it's that like teams are just kind of scared that he's short and his skating is not great um so i I think he has that kind of like you can reverse engineer a a narrative and like how this guy became an nhl or despite falling so far um i think he's that one and the other is evan veerling the other fifth round pick um that i believe he the rangers traded up kind of to get him like they didn't trade up specifically to pick him but they traded up i think it was two sevenths to get into the fifth round and then like five picks later they run the clock and took him but um He's, you know, like I said, like you're, Tom, you asked earlier, why didn't the Rangers take a center early? Well, this guy, he's a center, and yeah, he's a fifth rounder. But one scout I spoke to said that this guy on talent alone, he would have been a, a second rounder, maybe even maybe first, but likely second rounder on talent alone. Um, just kind of some things went wrong for him this season. Um, I wrote about it in my my article today, analyzing it, analyzing uh, the Rangers draft picks, but. He, he went through some personal things. Um, I don't know much. And uh, it, it, I, like, you know, what I was told like, was that it's not that he's a bad person or anything or did anything 
um, reprehensible that he needs to apologize or anything like that. But just, you know, he went through some personal things that caused him to, you know, maybe not play well at the start of the season. He he kind of took a break mid-season. He kind of just up and left um, his junior team to go home and regroup. And, you know, he got traded. All to things the, that are very understandable for a kid. Which, yeah, and like, look, like, you know, coming off the Lewis Anderson situation, I feel obligated to, I feel obligated to say, not even just like for hockey purposes, but like, that's like, that's fine, you know, like. Of course it is. Yeah. You should be able to do that. And people should not. I understand why for scouts, even although I will say, I think some scouts probably um, aren't understanding in that sense. But. I understand the concern of you're saying, will this guy, you know, is this guy going to be able to handle a, a professional hockey career, you know, just mentally? So, you know, that's their job. So some degree they have to um, consider that. But, you know, just on a human level, like the way people kind of treated Leas Anderson for, for leaving when he needed a mental a mental break, like I, I just didn't like it. I didn't like it. And so, you know, I feel I feel it's important to just kind of go out of my way here to say, like, you know, even if you, for a little bit for hockey purposes, that might be a concern. Like, it, he should not be, that should not be held against him. Um, but anyway, you know, he was traded to the Barry Colts. He was traded to a different OHL team. Um, and he, he just was playing, like, the best hockey of his career. Um, so... He's he's kind of a guy like I, I I compared him ish not not completely but kind of like the Derek Stepan and like what I meant by that was not even necessarily the same style or the upside but like Derek Stepan like if you just kind of like watched him play if you like did drills with him where he did like shooting drills and like whatever you just kind of be like like all right like what's so special right like he doesn't have standout traits he's not a good skater like he's not a great shooter he's not big but he just kind of has that IQ, right? Like he just makes it work and he plays above, plays above his means. And I think that's kind of virling as well. It's just kind of, he's just like, he's just like a B, a, like he has a, he's like a B rating in a lot of things as a passer, as a shooter, like uh, as a defensive player. Um, so he was a fifth round pick. I think, you know, a lot of people, Scott Wheeler of The Athletic wrote it and, you know, the scout that I spoke to uh, said it like this guy, <laughs> this guy has legitimate top six upside um which is pretty rare for the fifth round and not just kind of like uh like oh not just because like it happens right like mark stone was what fifth round sixth round i don't remember but it happens but like it's so it's it, this isn't just kind of like an oh if everything goes perfectly and you know he um you know just like grows three inches like he can be it like this is a legitimate top six upside prospect <laughs> Yeah, I loved when you had mentioned um, the step on, and I, I think it's a good you know comparison, like more than meets the eye. Yeah. Um, at, at first blush, um, so yeah, if if they definitely you know either of those forwards from the fifth round, you'll turn into something that that's obviously um, tremendous value. Um, yeah. So the la- last question I have regarding the draft, and it's it's obviously not just this draft, but in prospects in general. So. As of this moment, and obviously it's not a, you know, it, it's a consistent thing. You know, they're obviously not done by any stretch of the imagination. But if you look at where they stand of this moment, what would you say is your feeling of the um, the overall prospect pool? Yeah, I mean, it has to be the best in the league right now. Um, you know, that was probably the case anyway, depending on how liberal you were with 
the idea of a prospect, right? Like is Capo Caco a prospect? Like, um, but you know, especially once they added Lafreniere, you know, like I said, they could have just kind of packed up and went home after that pick, and it wouldn't have changed that fact. Um, they just it's it's a great prospect pool, and they're they're you know pretty loaded at most positions. Um, uh, I don't think. Um, one can complain much now. Pro, you know, adding prospects and developing prospects is are two different things. You can add talent, but that means nothing if you don't develop it. Um, so, look, like Alexis Lafreniere, like that's he's going to be a star unless something crazy happens. Like he's a star no matter what, right? Like I could coach the team and that would happen. And you know, believe me, I would do a terrible job of it. But you know, my point is it doesn't matter. He's gonna be a superstar. It's the guys like, uh, you know, a Will Cooley, um, you know, a Brett Berard, um, or, or, you know, going back to, you know, previous drafts, other prospects in the pool, a Morgan Barron, um, a Keandre Miller, you know, um, a Zach Jones. Those are the guys where, you know, development how good your team is at developing those players that that's that's what matters and you know it's not just adding talent um because there are certain guys where it's kind of that 50 50 and the difference maker is you know was your coaching good was your development staff good was your facilities good um so you know that's the other piece of the puzzle it's it's not just adding talent it's developing it um and of course it's a never-ending exercise adding prospects um because you know the 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 Buffalo Sabers and Edmonton Oilers are just kind of two examples of many of you know even if you add three superstars like it's not like problem solved like you got to have depth you got to have like those second liners you have that second pairing defenseman you better have a starting goalie um not that I don't think that'll be a problem for the Rangers you know but you know point being um you know, some guys aren't going to pan out. Some guys are going to ha- be traded. Some guys, you know, are going to be like a Brady Shea or a JT Miller where, you know, maybe they'll spend three years before they leave for one reason or another. So you got to keep adding to the pool. It's a never-ending exercise. Um, it's not rebuild over, per se. It's not job done and now we, you know, trade picks for, um, you know, we trade all our picks for, you know, talent, NHL-ready players, and we go for the cup. It's, it's a never-ending exercise. So, um I think fans can be extremely excited about where the team is headed right now. And I think they have just, you know, a brilliant foundation to build off of. Um, but uh, like I said, I think John Davidson understands the the task at hand. I think he understands this is, you know, a gradual thing. Um, and I, so I think I think they're in great hands, at least on that level. Um, so so no doubt about it. Um, it's not it's not mission accomplished, but it's a, it's a you know, great let's call it second step if the first step was kind of tearing it down this is a great second step yeah no no banners on any naval ships yet um yeah certainly a lot of of good information we'll certainly be looking forward to um you know when you have uh you know add these guys to your your overall prospect uh ranking series that you've you know done for a number Mm -hmm. of years now yeah um being the free agency is tomorrow, I figure we should talk a little bit about that. But before we do, uh, we will take a brief break.
And just like that, we're back from the break. Um, it's kind of weird, although, I mean, not so weird, because, like, you think of last year and you had all the Artemi Panera and stuff, and, you know, depend- you had people that were like, yeah, it's something that could happen. You had some people like, yeah, no way it's going to happen. But given everything we know about the Rangers and their cap situation and the bonus money they have to work around with the rookies and the dead cap from buyouts, I would say that we can expect tomorrow to be a um, somewhat quieter day um, than, than we've seen in recent years. But um, just wanted you know mike and adam you know your thoughts what you think is going to happen um in free agency like obviously they have matt martin Mm. (laughs) tom we need a replacement for michael haley don't you know and jesper faust matt martin checks off every box he hits people Let, let me let me say like i'm not i'm not necessarily like on the matt martin bandwagon here but like and like I get why people are cynical about it, not just you know the Islanders connection, but also you know just kind of like all right, like another you know grinder guy that like you know the team is gonna overplay or whatever. But like you can do worse than Matt Martin. Like you can definitely do worse. He's than Matt he's Martin, Adam. he's he's a bit of an offensive, not a bit, a lot of an offensive black hole. But he's a pretty solid defensive player. And Adam, like, he doesn't wear a visor. Yeah, sure, right? You know what the like, track record is with this like, team and players who don't wear visors in the like, past five years? Yeah, like, he probably social distances, right? Like, you would hope. Uh, <laughs> but, but you know, and, like, you know, like, we, we, we roll our eyes when, like, a team adds, like, a, you know, a horrible player, and they're just like, oh, like, he's good in the room. But, like, you know, like, Matt Martin, you know, um, at least... It, it appears I've never you know met him much less been in a locker room with him but it appears that he is good in the room like he you know and it, it's not not important um, no of you course do not. want it that is. the problem is just when it's like horrible players that their only justification is like yeah like this guy you know is fun to play ping pong with at the hotel or whatever <laughs> you know <laughs> um so like look like I, I think like great at poker on the plane he's, I, know, like, he's, he's like I think like if you're a team, poker game I think, like, if your team is otherwise, you know, well-built, like, Matt Martin on your fourth line is not going to, like, plunge you to the depths of hell. Like, you're no, fine, of course you know? And, of like, course, it all depends on term and, and what it would be. Yeah, of course, and, like, also, like, what the rest of the line looks like. Because, like, if it's, like, Matt Martin, like, you know, what the rain Here's the real problem is, like, the Rangers' fourth line has just not had an identity. The no, last, not at all. Like, since, since I think, like, 2014, you know, maybe you could argue 2015. But it's just, now it's just kind of, it's just been, like, a depository for, like, the leftovers. It's like, all right, like, we've, we have, like, our first three lines that have been, like, well-crafted or at least have been attempted to, you know, been well-crafted. And then just, like, all right, like, the, the last three guys who didn't make the cut, like, this is, this is your spot. And just, you know, they just haven't had an identity to them not just because the players have changed in and out but just like there's not like all right like this is your job you know um so that's the other part of it is you know and and look like the point reason we bring up matt martin was you know i i mentioned on twitter i i'm not saying like it's done or even that it's gonna happen or anything like that but i was just hurt i just heard um i was told by someone who would know that like at least like it's a consideration on the rangers part and i don't think martin is 
inherently opposed is what I would say about it is that um, I don't think he's fundamentally like no Rangers no um, you know I'm sure there are five other teams at least that are also interested so you know we'll see but anyway um, you know point being is like I think if you actually build a fourth line that has a purpose I, I think you could do worse yeah like when they had Dorsett Moore and Boyle like that was an amazing fourth line yeah I still miss Blair Betts. Yeah, yeah. Remember Betts and Schuström were together, like they, you know. Yeah, they, fourth line with an identity. And it's just kind of like they understood what their job was. Yeah. And then they signed Donald Brashear after taking out Blair yeah. Betts. Yeah. That's yeah, like that, one of those <laughs> moves I like fucking um, hated. Yeah, good times. All right. <laughs> well, do we think it's going to be? If there is a splash from the Rangers, will it be the center in free agency? And if so, who's there? Um, is the thing that is the most <clears throat> the most intriguing to me, excuse me, other than, of course, the fact that Henrik Lundqvist is about to be a Washington capital. Part yeah. of me is, like, thinking, and, like, I'm not thinking too hard of it, like... You, you think of the fact that Columbus just bought out Wenberg, obviously... You know, JD was just with Columbus. You know, uh, was it Chris Morehouse was just with Columbus? Um, so there's people in the organization that knew him. And you look at the Rangers over the years, and how many players have they signed to these like one-year deals? To hey, it's an opportunity to play in a big market and rebuild your value. And to me, like, I they're not going to be Stanley Cup contenders next year. But if you're looking at asset management, you have a guy, you add him, you know, you maybe you play him with Panarin, even though I know he didn't really play with him in Columbus. I was looking up, you know, the, yeah. the time on ice splits. And you sell him at the deadline and you get a pick or, or something. Um, like I, I wrote today, there's a couple of guys that went unqualified that, you know, I'd be mm. interested in. Um you know, you know, maybe for for uh, for defense later, cuckoo. Um, you know, there are a couple of forward options, Vinny Hinestroza, um, you know, Carter Verhage. But again, it comes down to there are going to be teams that, yeah, their cap is flat, but they might have spots and opportunities where, hey, you know, and, and these players themselves, they want opportunities because you know, obviously they're looking to rebuild their value because. They weren't good enough to be kept. Um, you know, part of it wasn't their fault, but um, the the Wenberg thing—it's it, just—it's something yeah. to keep an eye on. But again, yeah. it's going to come down to space and opportunity. Yeah, I I think he'd be a nice addition. Um, you know, like when we're when we're talking about splash, like it's all relative. Like I don't think like Taylor Hall is not happening, right? Like Alex Pietrangelo is not yeah. happening. Like they're not. There's not going to be like this this like this like wow guy like um which is fine because like they shouldn't do that and i don't think there's really anyone that would make it worth it for them anyway um but you know i i think i kind of get the sense and I, I this isn't like me having info or anything it's just kind of like a gut feeling like i kind of think they want a team to make them an offer for strom that they can't refuse like i you know like i just i just kind of feel like they just like are caught in this kind of like no man's land with him where they're like you know like they're not sure if they can do better than him but also like they're not enthralled 
um, at least especially with the prospect of him becoming a, an unrestricted free agent a year so like I kind of just like feel like they're just like teetering and they just want a team to make them an offer that like they're just like we had we just we have to do it we had to do it um, and so I, I think kind of just that's where it's going there now like that of course it, you know what I'm saying is if they don't get that offer like I think they keep him at least for next year um, so uh, you know well there's there's so many moving parts which you know if they, they trade Tony D'Angelo which again I'm not saying it's happening but if if they did hypothetically like now you have a huge hole on uh, the right side of the defense that you got to fill with you know someone so uh, this isn't an off season where it's just like all right like we know what they need to do we know what the holes are we have what you know what kind of players they need um with the exception of a left defenseman maybe a depth left defenseman maybe i think there's just there's a lot of ifs that lead them in different paths um so i think in some sense there's just a, a lot of things that they could do or couldn't do or shouldn't do or should do Yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting, like you said, Adam. Like, there's a lot of different turns this could take because there's a lot of different potential outcomes. Like, the Rangers could look at like, oh, should we try and sign a three C? Like you said with Strom, the the way they've kind of slow rolled things with Strom is actually very reassuring to me. It tells me that they are hesitant to get into bed long term there with Strom as they should be mm. because. You know, it's it's evident that you know you could put you know a, a traffic cone on a line with Artemi Panarin and it'll its numbers will go up. But you know that's not to utterly like drag Strom through the mud because he is not a terrible hockey player. He's just not a great guy in terms of an option as a you know, the Rangers have a one A one B line situation because of their depth on the wing right now and their quality on the wing and. You know you yeah. have his advantage at, um, but you also know in a couple of years you have to re-sign him long-term. And then you have Philip Heedle, who you hope, you hope can be that 1B guy. But you have Ryan Strom coming off a career year, and he was a really nice stopgap. And you can't afford to let him become more than a stopgap. And yeah. he and his agent are going to say, hey, what the hell, career year, yada, yada, yada. And the Rangers are going to say, well, shit. We need something there in case we're not in case Heedel and Panarin and then of course the other part of that is yes Perfoss won't be there, but in the bottom line is our Temi Panarin will succeed regardless of who he plays with, so long as yeah. they're at least like middle six talent. I don't know if you're playing with Matt Martin, but um, it's it's interesting to think about how the Rangers are kind of in that, you know, that stare down with Strom and then what they're going to look at in, you know, tomorrow now from when we record, meaning Friday in free agency, because, you know, there are some depth centers out there that mm -hmm. they could look into as like, this is just a middle six guy and maybe he doesn't have a lot of offensive upside, but, yeah. you know, if he's defensively responsible and, you know, can play in all three zones and move the puck around, then he could succeed and flourish with Artemi Panarin because that is how good Artemi Panarin is and yeah yeah I, I, I completely agree 
Um, and like the thing with Strom is like I'll, I'll be the first to say like he performed much better last season than I ever would have anticipated. So credit to him there. He's he's definitely an NHL player and he has value. Um, with the Rangers, it's just you know what is what is he good at? Like his his thing is being able to just like if you give him the puck in the offensive zone, he'll make a play. Um, now the yeah, Rangers power have play oh, too all day long. Yeah, yeah, exactly. On the power play, you know, even you know, on five on five, like if if the puck is in the offensive zone, you give it to him, like he will make a play with it, no doubt. Um, the problem, well, not the problem, but the Rangers, um, you know, one of their best traits right now is they're just loaded with other guys who can do that kind of thing. You know, Panarin, Sabanajad, um, to some degree, Kreider, Bushnevich. You know, and even on, you know, you can even throw D'Angelo and Fox in there and Truba. Um, now Lafreniere, you know, I'm not going to name everyone, but you get the point is they have so many guys who can do that. Um, so while that, that addition is appreciated, it's not a, a, they won't go without it if Strom is gone. Now what they do need is someone who can play those defensive minutes, someone who, you know, when the puck is in the neutral zone or in the Rangers zone end, someone who's going to make the, the decision that causes the turnover and that gets the puck to Panarin in the neutral zone so that the Rangers can yeah. now, you know, go the other way and, and do those things. That's what they, they, that's what they're lacking right now is that like that second line pivot who can, who can um, do that work off the puck um, when the other team has it kind of to um, steer possession, the Rangers way. And so their, their top players can, can do their magic. Um, so I think, you know, at least not, you know, I think ideally this offseason, but long-term, that's what the Rangers kind of need going forward as a second-line center um, is is a player who can do that. Um, yeah, you, now, look, like, <laughs> you'd love for Sidney Crosby in his prime to, to just drop into your lap, right? That's not going to happen. So, you know, like Alec, um, not Alec, like um, Tom said, I think, you know, like an Alec, a, a Wenberg, you know that kind of player just kind of like who you know maybe it's a 35 40 point center but who's going to put in that defensive work that work off the puck um you know maybe not the perfect solution but a good one because again you know this isn't all or all, all or nothing next year for the rangers or even in two years or three years or four years you know like this is a gradual build they're trying to do this the right way um and they're just kind of looking for an improvement i think in that regard that that being said again maybe it's strong nonetheless um going uh at least for next season you know there are a lot of moving parts so So, the last question i have and then mike if you have a question after that feel free to jump in um where do we think Jesper fast ends up you asking me yeah oh you sorry yeah i mean so um uh what i what i was told um was that there are i mean that there are a lot of teams that have at least shown a bit of interest which that's what you'd expect right like he's a good player he's a useful player he can do a lot of things in the lineup so of course a lot of teams are going are gonna to at least check in um my guess is philadelphia um and look at the, the, it doesn't exactly take you know a genius to make the connection there right like elaine Vigneault loved jesper fast which a lot of coaches would david quinn does but elaine Vigneault loved jesper fast um, I think he kind of sees him maybe as a guy that pushes them over the top. Um, so that's that's my guess based on kind of what I've heard. I've heard of a few other teams. I think Nashville could be could be um, a team that plays for uh, you know kind of puts in an effort for him. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna guess Philadelphia. Do you have a guess, Mike? 
I mean, we've already we've heard some scuttlebutt about uh, going to Philadelphia, and it makes perfect sense. Like, the bottom line is, like, players are not quite like I've always looked at looked at Frost as a player you have to have in the appropriate role if you're an excellent because if he's in your bottom six doing the things that Jesper Foss does, you're printing money in terms of getting quality out of your bottom six. But, you know, obviously last season, him playing on the top line or, you know, line 1B, what have you, with Panarin and Strom was like, okay, well, okay. Uh, <laughs> like, we all love Jesper Foss, but it's like, well, look, he's going into the corner and he's doing all those Jesper Foss things and then, uh, you know, God bless him. Uh, we love him to bits. He's like a golden retriever. But uh, it is interesting to me that, you know, the Rangers are looking at him as like this luxury they can't afford, which is something I, you know, I anticipated long before, you know, even the pandemic happened. I was like, just moving forward, I don't think he's going to stick around, which is so interesting because, of course, he's a part of this leadership core. He's so popular among the team and the locker room. And, but like Adam said, that fancies itself a competitor that wants to add depth and quality and a guy who will just, you know, every coach can just clap on the back after a shift and be like, goddamn right, Quickie. Like, he's that guy. And he, he shouldn't be too expensive, which is so interesting for these guys who are role players because teams will get into things like they don't want to admit they're getting into a bidding war but I feel like when they do this with role players it often comes down a term right it's well we can give yeah. you the security instead of the the cash and for a guy like Jesper Fast, it's you know having a multi-year deal is going to be attractive and I think there are at least a couple GMs including Philly that will look into doing that for him and uh, <coughs> it's going to be bizarre to see him out of a Rangers sweater but I think it's kind of a foregone conclusion yeah um, what, what I will say just one last thing is that I, I do think he's gone but this wasn't kind of like Carl Hagelin or Cam Talbot or you know where it was kind of just like um, we you know it was like they just knew right away like the money it was yeah. just not going to work just on a fundamental level like it was just very open and shut like all right like this guy's gone it's just a matter of wh when and how i, I like the rangers and fast both really want it to work all things being equal um i like they they both really i think in an ideal scenario like jasper fast is a ranger next year for them um it won't surprise me if either fast team or the or the rangers kind of one once things open up tomorrow even when he officially hits the market, it won't surprise me if one side kind of just makes one last push to see like if it can oh, happen yeah. before he signs somewhere else. Because um, I can tell you for a fact, like they both want it to, to work if they can if they can just find a way. Um, I don't this think it will, but scene in every Sappy movie where two lovers are parting and one of them is leaning on a train and they yeah. keep running down the train, looking out the windows and stretching their arms out to each other, like. They don't want to be separated, but uh, yeah, and you know what? Uh, the other, th what the other thing I would say is like it, it's one thing two weeks before to just be like, all right, well, like if you don't give me this and this, like I'm leaving, bye bye. But like it's another thing to like have like a contract in front of you from you know a different team and knowing like like the place you've lived for um, the past what you know past six years, like 
uh, like the friends you made, like the place you, the building you live in, like your lifestyle, like all the memories. Like it's another thing to like really be in that moment where like you're signing away, like you're 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 ending it for good, right? It's, it's so it, it's it's one thing to posture two weeks before, or even a week before, and it's another thing to like really commit to it in the moment. Which again, I think it will happen ultimately. I think he's going to sign somewhere else, but. I'm just kind of saying, like, maybe the pressure of it really, like, kind of feeling real to everyone involved, maybe that leads to one of them circling back. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't 100% write it off, his return to the Rangers, even still right now, even if he hits the market tomorrow. But um, I think it's... At, <laughs> I think it's very likely he's, he's playing somewhere for a different team next I season. Think he's, I think he's gone, but never say never. Right? Yeah. There's enough reasons there that the Rangers and and Jesper Foss would both be interested. And of course, you know, for a guy like him in the role he plays, I mean, it, this sucks for everyone with the pandemic in terms of guys getting what they're worth. Yeah. This is the sort of contract he's probably been working his ass off for for his entire career. Yeah, and the Rangers got a steal, right? What was it like three years? Yeah. One one point eight or I, I don't remember the exact. Yeah, like one point nine. But like was. point B. <laughs> That that was a steal. So like, you know, not that not that anyone's crying for him financially, but you know, relative to you know, relative to the world of you know, yeah. you know, professional hockey, person. like he he's earned his payday. He absolutely should yeah, get it. I, I hope he gets a dump truck backed up on it. Yeah. Full of cash. I just hope it isn't the Rangers driving it. Yeah. Well, Adam, we uh, certainly thank you for your time for, you know, everything and joining the podcast. Um, We also want to say thank you to all of our listeners, uh, especially our uh, Patreon supporters. A six-foot gap, Adam Naholik, Aiden Gaspar, Armariel Kistner, Andre Chicagoff, Andy White, Anthony Viola, Beezer, Ben Pierney, Bjarner Osterheim, Bob Kawa, Bobby Callahan, Captain America, Chris Abibi, Chris Lucas, Chris Marco Trigiano, Clark Carroll, Daniel Jazan, David L. Singer, Fancy Lawrence, Frank Menino, George Lippman, Igor Zavlosky, Jamie Bussold, Jason Silberman, Jeff Owen, Jermaine Francis, John Predzapelski, John Reppy, Jordan Sassone, Justin Walsh, Keith Franchillo, Kevin Mead, Kushtastic, Kyle Napolitano, Matt Bader, Matt Pumple, Matthias Olson, Michael Kanick, Michael Marcus, Michael Silvers, Nikolai Hoffman, Panarin 2020, Patrick Landl, Perennial Powerhouse, Sammy Vogel Seidenberg, Sean, Stieg Bjelbach, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Rob, The Arrow Carlson, The Tin Man, Tori from Manhattan, and Trevor Kepner. Uh, thank you, as always, uh, for everyone for supporting the show. We really appreciate it. Um, we'll be back uh, next week with another episode with some fallout uh, from free agency, and, and we'll also uh, take some time to talk about uh, the career of Henrik Lundqvist with the New York Rangers. Um, certainly want to give you know the man his due, and by that point um he should be in with his new team wildly expecting to be the the washington capitals and uh, if that's the case um you know good for hank wherever he decides to go uh he certainly uh deserves uh, the chance to uh, carve out a, a new opportunity for himself it still feels like we're all eating a giant shit sandwich but you know what at least there's a little olive with a toothpick through the top of it and that olive is left for near that is true um you know as as one door closes another one opens and it's going to be a whole new era of rangers hockey and uh 
it, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But uh, thanks again for everyone for listening. Uh, you know, you like you know the show. Uh, you know, leave us five star review on iTunes. Uh, you know, join our our Patreon. Um, you know, thank you for everyone supporting uh, the site during the draft. Uh, you know, everything we've done. Um, we really appreciate it. We know things have been weird with the pandemic and you know how everything is sort of shaken out. Um, but it really does uh, mean a lot to us. So. Uh, Take care and be well, and we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.